Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Scrubs Off-Duty Podcast. I am your host, Bree Bree the Nurse. I am so excited. Today, I have the most special guest on, Nicole Ann. You might know her from TikTok at Nicole Ann 6 If you don't know her, she is a PICU nurse in California, and she is so amazing. She has been a nurse for seven years now, so it was really nice to talk to her. We talked about all things PICU nursing. We talked about putting your mental health first as a nurse and making sure you're really working in a job that is benefiting you physically and mentally. So let's get into the episode. Okay, guys. So today I have Nicole joining me and I'm so excited. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Nicole. I'm 30 years old, and I'm a pediatric ICU nurse living in California. I love that. If you don't know her, you are missing out. She is literally amazing. So you've been a nurse for seven years. Yes. That's a long time. I know. You know what? I feel like I blinked, and a year was gone, <clears throat> and then before I knew it, it was three, and then and then I'm catching myself doing the math yesterday, like, you know, be like, oh, yeah, 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 graduated started working at 15 and now it's 22, seven years in. <laughs> yeah. And you have done a specialty of peds your whole career, right? You yes. started in cardiac ICU. Yes. And now your general PICU, right? Not your general PICU, no. Um, no. Okay. Very specialized. Uh, like too specialized actually, I think. But it was not – it was my – senior preceptorship, actually. I never wanted to do peds ICU at all when I switched my specialty to peds last minute. I asked for mm-hmm. peds med surge, and they gave me peds cardiac ICU for my my senior preceptorship. And uh, that became my first job. <laughs> so you didn't want to do peds? No. When was like your realization that you're like, okay, I might want to do peds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, So I wanted to work in geriatrics, which is elderly people whom I still adore with every part of my heart, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be their nurse. And I found that out. Uh, MedSurge naturally um, shows you all of the elderly people that you, you know, are not so nice to you or that you have to be not nice to, to make them better. And it's just kind of a, it's not as friendly of a relationship as I had hoped for. Um, And so I felt really lost. And then I went into my third semester of nursing school, went into adult ICU and I liked the ICU component, um, not enough to actually ask for it, though. I was still afraid of it for my uh, my capstone. But I was like, you know, like, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll just do, you know, med search. Like, I, you know, I just thought, like, I'll just settle. And then I did my pediatrics rotation. And we were in this, like, tiny little med surge peds unit. And I was terrified of all of the small humans. But I think that my personality was always built for peds, even though I didn't know that it was. And my peds clinical instructor, I have to find that woman because she changed my life for all for the better. Um, And she just looks at me one day and she goes, but you love this. And I said, no, no, I don't. And she said, I really think that this is for you. Like, you know, I think that you just have to stop being afraid of it and just lean into it. And I think that you're going to find that you feel like you fit here because you do. And I, so I, you know, spontaneously decide at the end of my third semester to ask for pediatric med surge for my final capstone or preceptorship. Every, every school I feel like calls it something different, but, mm-hmm. um, I decided that I was going to ask for peds med surge, um, and was wildly surprised when they put me in peds cardiac ICU. And then I, you know, the love <laughs> just unfolded as the days went on. So a surprise it was. 
Yeah. Everything happens for a reason, though. It's it just does. where you were meant to be, right? It does. I always say that it chose me, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so, so cute. <laughs> um, so now you work in a general PICU, right? It's not specialized. Yeah. Okay. No. How was it seven? So we both started out in specialties, not in med surge. Med surge is a specialty of its own, but mm-hmm. <laughs> started out not not in med surge like they say you're supposed to. I feel like now it's a little bit more accepted with at least like the new nurses from my class and like the upcoming classes. But I feel like seven years ago, it had to have been a lot harder, like a lot more backlash, especially like going so specialized in a cardiac uh, peds <laughs> ICU. Yes. How was that? Did you get any? Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a millennial nurse, I think is where I fit. And, um, yeah, I, you know, of course, when we were in clinicals and all of our educators in my nursing school very much encouraged us to go into med surge. Um, Mm. I never, like, there are people I think who love med surge and they thrive there. So I think sometimes, like you said, med surge is a specialty. So choosing med surge is Mm -hmm. in a way choosing a specialty, but I think that, uh, the ideas, especially in the presence of new grad programs have allowed nursing students to transition into more specialized areas of nursing better than before. And I, that was not a tool that was something, you know, that our older generations of nurses had, Uh, Mm -hmm. so I think that it actually, it it was seamless actually. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Pete's cardiac was, they used to tell us, you know, you're climbing Mount Everest. Like this is not, this is not your average new grad job, but I was in Mm -hmm. a new grad program. They gave us 18 weeks with a preceptor, which was incredible. Yeah. And you're paid the whole time, like a real nurse. It's wild. And, um, we had classes, like I had extra, like new grad classes once a month that we would show Mm -hmm. up to. And then I would have special cardiac classes on top of that. And then I would go in for my shifts with my preceptors. So it really made it possible. Like there was, there would be absolutely no way that I could have achieved uh, working there if I had not been in the new grad program. That's why like, if it's available to anybody, I always say, Mm -hmm. go for it because it's kind of like somebody like holding your hand going into the profession, which is so nice. I mean, that being said, when that 18 weeks was over and my preceptor, you know, set me off on my own, I was absolutely terrified still. Uh, I mean, it was a very scary place to to learn because all of our kiddos were on ECMO or they were, you know, we were, we were on CRRT, they were on ventilators. They're all like, you know, intubated, sedated, paralyzed, open chested. Like it was, mm-hmm. I saw some things that I will never see again in my nursing career. And it was an absolutely wonderful place to learn. Um, but I think I felt myself becoming pigeonholed at some point and, uh, pick in general are not things that are easy to find locationally. Um, and we, the, there were only other options that were closer to my home. Cause I was working a very long commute, uh, were in pick in <laughs> generalized pick So I had to kind of just like, you know, decide to just go for it. And I'm glad that I did. Um, but yeah, the most specialized area of nursing I could maybe have possibly chosen. And it was very yeah. scary, very hard to learn. Like that. that and, sounds um, super scary. Way too scary, I think, most nights. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad, though, that they had a good supportive program for you to get through it, because I feel like that is so important starting out, um, especially so specialized, because you 
don't learn all of that in school. I mean, you get your basic peds knowledge, you learn your vital signs and, you know, stages of growth and development, but nothing near to what you need to know to work there. Not at all. I can't even imagine. I feel like that had to have been super overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny is because I didn't ask for ICU for peds at all for my capstone and then Mm -hmm. to be thrown into an even more specialized area. I mean, there was only four of us that they chose to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a huge component of like pressure that I felt from, you know, like this was my capstone and all of the nurses on the unit were like, oh my gosh, we really like you. Like you're learning so fast. This is so great. And they were like, you have to apply for the new grad program. You have to do it. And you know, the management team was already like, you know, we'll give you the job, like just, you know, show up, do the interview. And, you know, when you're a new grad nurse, you're like, who am I? I can't turn down a job, you know? And there was no, there was a huge part of me that loved it. And then the parts of me that didn't like it were the parts of me that were scared. And I think Mm -hmm. that that was such a huge part of it for me. Um, And, but I, I kind of just like went where it took me and it was so scary. I mean, the stress that I, endured from that job was immense in ways that I don't even know how to describe. I burned Mm. out so hard in three years because I just, I didn't, you know, I just thought this is normal. Like everybody experiences this kind of stress when they first start, but I didn't realize like how magnified mine was because of how Mm. specialized the area of nursing that I chose was. Um, And it was, it was really difficult. It was really scary but there were so many parts of it that I thought, I, this is so cool. And like, how lucky am I to be here? I think that that mm-hmm. drove me through all of the really scary moments. And then the rest of them are still, you know, little babes on their own ventilators and things like that, which was, you know, that's not the pediatric nursing that you envision when you think of peds nursing. But mm-hmm. it was so important. And the work that we were doing was so exciting that, you know, it was, I loved it and I hated it all at the same time. I don't okay. you know, I've, I've always said that. Do you ever think now that like you've had more experience that you would go back? Like, do you think it's less scary now? Uh, No, I don't think it's less. Well, I think the sick, tiny humans are a little less scary for me now that I know so much more of what I'm doing. Um, I don't Mm. think that I hit a stride. Like they say at some point you hit a nursing stride. And in the beginning I was like, that's made up. That never happens. And, uh, but I finally, Uh, like six years in was when I had finally felt like I'm so much more comfortable than I used to be. Um, But then there's the part of me that knows how stressed out I was there and how much that damaged my body. And Mm -hmm. that is the part of it that would always keep me from going back. You know, there was, I was commuting an hour and 15 minutes one way, Mm -hmm. and that was on a good traffic day. (laughs) And then I was working night shift because when I started working there, the day shift nurses were not very nice to us new grads because it was very much like, why are you here? You're a new grad. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. Like there's no way you're ever going to get this. And that Mm -hmm. felt really, um, it it made it all scarier because there was, I felt like I had no help and I would call them and they wouldn't come help us when we were drowning. And so the, the day shift culture was really bad. So I switched to night shift, which was fully against my biology (laughs) and me as a person. And I knew that, But the night shift nurses were so wonderful and they were so helpful. And, you know, like I would call them and ask for help and they'd say, you know, what, I'm busy doing this right now, but I'll come help you like in 20 minutes. Is that okay? And I just felt so supported. But the night shift component on top of the really long commute really like Mm -hmm. ticked away at my health over time. And then if you add on the stress of trying to learn 
Peds Cardiac ICU, which is one of the most like specialized specialties you can ever enter into, it really, I kind of crumbled underneath all of it. And so knowing now how much it tremendously affected my health, I would not go mm-hmm. back. I think that's really good that you were able to see how, you know, it was affecting you and leave because I feel like leaving is the hardest part, mm-hmm. you know, and at night shift wasn't for me either. I'm not biologically made. No, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> but I, I think leaving is really, really hard and realizing like, you know what, I do like this, but it's, it's not for me. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It, it's a hard, you know, decision to come to, but you know, you put yourself first. Yes. And I think it's really important to do that. I think I, if I could do anything differently from that first, like three and a half years, it would be, I knew three years in that I was burnt out to the point that I needed to leave, but I didn't mm. do it for six months. And that those six months were the only thing I wish that I could have told myself back then was that it's okay to leave. I think it felt like giving up. And that really is not a part of my personality. And I just, I couldn't forgive myself for wanting to leave and I couldn't get past that. And so I think the moment that I felt burnt out enough that I wanted to leave, that actually added to the stress that I was already under. And nobody prepares you for how difficult it is to leave your first job because it's, it's so painful. And these are the people that you love and you're like, what if I never find anything good like this? What if the next place is terrible and nobody likes me and I have no friends and nobody helps each other. You know, like you think of all these like worst case scenarios. And so it took me six months to leave and I wish that I had left sooner. I just like, couldn't, I could, it was like, it was like experiencing a breakup. (laughs) I just couldn't let it go. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, and I I cried the whole way home on my last shift thinking like, what if I've just made the worst decision of my entire life, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I happened to work at a hospital that was, it's a university hospital, very prestigious in the area, like really good money. I mean, like money that nobody makes in nursing. And I just mm-hmm. thought like, oh my God, I'm being such an idiot for leaving, you know? And I cried the whole way home. And I just, if I could go back and tell my younger self that now, like to just go, it's okay. Like, don't be so hard on mm-hmm. yourself. Don't, you know, this isn't your fault. You're not giving up. This is just you choosing yourself for the first time. And that feels uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but it's not wrong. And I think that that was the hardest thing for me. I just wish that I could go back and tell my baby self that so that I would be a little less hard on me because leaving was difficult, but it was like one of the best decisions I have ever made for myself. Yeah, that's tough. Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously now it all makes sense. But in the moment, you're like, am I am I doing the right thing? Is this is this right? Yep. Yep. And I had never been yeah. in a PICU before, so I didn't even know what diagnoses they would have. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to take care of an asthmatic. I didn't know how to take care of a kid with diabetes. I didn't like. I didn't know how to do any of those things. And I knew mm-hmm. really well how to manage an airway. That was the one thing that my first job taught me really well was how to manage a pediatric airway. And that was invaluable, you know, learning that I use every single day to this day in PICU. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the largest things that kept me from leaving was essentially I was switching to a whole new specialty. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. I had to learn so many things and I knew that that was going to happen. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to go to this job. I'm going to have no friends. Nobody's going to like me and I'm going to be dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to know how to take care of these kids and they're not going to like me yeah. even more because of that. Like it was like worst case scenario, just spiraling in my head and I just wish that I could go back and tell myself, like, it's okay. Like, just do it. And, uh, but it was, 
you know, it's scary. <laughs> well, I think it's really hard too because switching specialties, it's like you're a new grad again. Yes. I mean, you you know your basic knowledge, but you don't know that specialty. And, you know, like you're not dumb. Yep. Like you said, you're not yes. dumb. But you feel that way sometimes. <laughs> but you feel dumb. Yes. You feel dumb because yes. you know nothing. nothing. You're you're restarting yep. and restarting is really scary. But I mean, I think if it's something that would benefit you mentally, physically, both, whatever it is, like it's scary, but it's something you have to do for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. But. And it was listening to, you know, I think that when you go to nursing school, your entire identity becomes formed around the idea of becoming a nurse and then you become a nurse mm-hmm. and it's still your whole identity and your whole life revolves around it. And then I think I, you lose yourself really easily in the middle of that. And, you know, you're like, well, everybody, everybody's job as a nurse is hard. You know, everybody in nursing is tired. Everybody in nursing is, you know, whatever, all these, you know, kind of difficult parts of our jobs that we just learn how to accept over time because we're like, well, this is how mm-hmm. it is. And I think mm-hmm. that that was such a huge part of it for me was just like letting go of the idea of this is how it's supposed to be and tuning into mm-hmm. my own body and my own feelings, my own experiences and going, that might be for other people, but it's not for me. And that's mm-hmm. so hard to do is to treat yourself as a person outside of being a nurse. There's nothing more difficult, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think we also as nurses and healthcare workers just in general like we normalize yes. toxic things. Yes. You know, like we normalize <laughs> not getting our breaks. We normalize yes. not eating it. We normalize not going to the bathroom the whole show. Like yes. <laughs> stuff like we normalize, you know, mentally being exhausted and drained 24/7, but like it shouldn't be like No. That, you know. And that's not normal and it's not okay, but no. we like accept these And, you know, I mean, it's not even just the physical parts of it, mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. It is so difficult Mm -hmm. to do what we do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you lose yourself for 12 hours a day taking care of other people. And then at the end of that 12 hours, you're supposed to come back and find yourself again. And that's so hard to do. And you're you're constantly Mm -hmm. in this like flipping back and forth situation. And so it's really hard to prioritize yourself, especially when it's so normalized to not do that. And Mm -hmm. that is one of the worst parts of nursing. Like, I love my job, but there are so many parts of our profession, you know, that need work. And that is the biggest one is the lack of, you know, uh, like self self care, lack of like, you know, choosing yourself first, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest things that needs to, to change, you know, one of the biggest things that we should change for sure. I think, well, you know, we just put everything into our patients and, you know, everything into our coworkers. Mm-hmm. And we all just try to support each other and our patients. And then, you know, you're just, you just get exhausted. You're drained. And then you have no time for yourself. You don't have energy for yourself. And like, that's, I think, a huge component of burnout. Yes. And, you know, like I've personally struggled with this finding good, like work-life balance and how to take care of myself on my days off to help myself. Cause I feel like, you know, they don't teach you that in nursing school, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but like that is like, a, that's a huge thing that, like, you know, especially over this last year that I've learned, like, if I don't take care of myself, I'm not a good nurse. Yep. Like I, I'm not, I am not a good nurse. I'm not a good person to myself. I'm not, you know, as great for my patients mm-hmm. if I'm not my best version of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's a hard thing to learn. Like, what are you supposed to do to take care of yourself? And everyone does different things. What do you do? What is What do you do to take care of yourself on your days off? Um, 
Well, number one, uh, very strong boundaries between me and my job. So while I wish I could block all the text messages asking me to come into work on my days off, I can't mm-hmm. because they're automatic and you can't block those things. <laughs> Darn so it. <laughs> I get those no matter if I like them or not. Um, so yeah. I wish I could block that. That would be the first thing I would do. Um, be- mm-hmm. But mostly just like a separation. I really try to leave work behind mentally. And I try to do, you know, I hang out with my friends. I try to weekly, like, like one of my best friends, Steph and I, we have every Monday is girls day. And so even if like, we don't actually, uh, sometimes it doesn't always land on Monday. Sometimes it's just a meal and not a whole day, but I always make time to see her because that's something, you know, it's, it's so important to stay connected with your friends outside of nursing Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I think listening to her talk about her job is so fun because she owns, like, a, a kitchen and home bath design studio. And it's, oh. right? I know. And I'm like, that's not nursing. And I love it. Tell me more, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so. I've, that's something I feel like I need to work on because. Your friends. I have so many great friends from work. And, you know, all we talk about is work. Of course. <laughs> but, like, you know, the, I don't think that helps. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it, do, it does help. Don't get me wrong. It does yeah. help. We vent to each other. But also sometimes I feel like you need to talk to someone who has an ordinary nine to five job yeah. or, you know, whatever, something like that. And just like, you know, get a refresh out of the hospital point of view. Yes. Yeah. It's so fun. I like love hearing her talk about, you know, because I mean, all I say is it's hard. Every day is hard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because it's indescribable, you know, and I think that that's such a huge part of why you almost have to have coworkers that are friends or I like mm-hmm. a lot of my friends are in healthcare, even though they don't work with me. Um, mm-hmm. And so they understand a lot of the things that I talk about, but I, and I think that it's so important to have people in your life who understand that you and yeah, I are both sure. really lucky that our significant others are both in mm-hmm. medicine. I can't t- like some people say, I wish that you know, they're like, oh, is that like the worst that you're both in medicine? No, it's the greatest thing ever. It's like literally you come home and I'm like, he knows exactly what I'm talking about and emotionally understands it, which is so complex. Yeah. And so that's why it is so important to have people in your life, too, that fully understand the medical side of it. Right. I yeah, I well, people say all the time, like, oh, having dating, don't date someone or don't marry someone in healthcare. Yeah. Like if you're working healthcare, yes. I don't get it though. Cause honestly it is my favorite thing. Like I'll come home, I'll have a really rough day. And I just like, you know, you, when you have those days where you're so overstimulated, you just like, yes. you drive home in silence, radio off. Like you don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want any noise. Mm-mm. And like, I'll come home and have those days and Brandon will get it. And you know what? He'll leave me alone. Cause yeah. he's like, I, I get it. Like yeah. when you, if, when and if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. And if you don't, like, that's cool, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's so nice having someone that gets it, like, literally knows exactly what you're going through, mm-hmm. exactly what your responsibilities are in a day, how much you're running around, and, mm-hmm. like, the mental toll you have to face. I think it's so important. Yep. And, yeah, we are lucky. Like, lucky is the only way to so describe it. Lucky. That, like, I know you have someone right there that just – I mean, it's like a little therapy session. Yeah, you know, like, no, it sometimes is. it's so it's... funny too, though, because like Kyle, Kyle worked for ten years in EMS, and mm-hmm. he did like you know basic life, uh, you know, support transfer. He did uh, critical care transport, which he loved. That was like the first time he saw nursing, uh, you know, really truly like next to a nurse, and that was the first time he's like, you know what, I think I might be a nurse instead of a paramedic because that was his original plan. And then oh, um, he worked, you know, through the 911 system for many, many years. And 
So there are parts, it's funny because like, you know, back now that he's in nursing school, I think he understands so much more what I do every day. Mm -hmm. But even back then, you know, the, we might have had very different days in, you know, in terms of like what our day consisted of, what we were responsible for. But at the end of the day, I think one of the hardest parts to try to explain is a, the overstimulation and how just like fried you are while Mm -hmm. simultaneously sometimes really needing to talk about it. Because you're like, mm-hmm. I have to get it out or I can't move on. And right. uh, it's funny too, though, because I'm always the person that like, I got to get it out. I have to get it out so that I can move forward. And Kyle mm-hmm. is sometimes that way and sometimes not. And so sometimes mm-hmm. he comes, he would come home from work and I'd go, what'd you do today? And he'd go, it's just another day. And and then he wouldn't, and the, there's some days he wouldn't want to talk about it. And I, and I remember thinking like, you sure? Are you sure you're okay? You sure you don't want to talk about it? Because that's the way, that's how I deal with it. And so I kind of like forced my own coping mechanisms on him sometimes because I'm like, you have to talk about it. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. And now we're so much better with it. But it was so, it was just funny back then, like trying to like, there were so many parts that we really understood about each other, but then so many, so many differences sometimes in the ways that we dealt with that. Well, and that too, like everyone copes differently mm-hmm. and needs to figure out the best way for them to cope. But also some people have really bad coping mechanisms. <laughs> Brandon is the same way as Kyle. Like he will not talk about it. And I'm like, come on, like just talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Because I know, like I'm like, I know you need to talk about it. You're going to feel better yeah. if you talk about yeah. it. But I mean, you know, there are, are those times and I have those times too. And I'm like, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. Like I'll talk about it mm-hmm. another time. Yeah. But no, that is something though that has really helped me um is talking about it because I'm not one of those people that like can just bury it and forget about it sort of thing Mm -hmm. I don't think it's healthy to do that either to be honest no it's funny actually I was listening to Kyle's in zoom school um because the pandemic has forever changed nursing school which you know better than literally anybody on the planet and so they uh they were talking in their lecture I could hear his teacher talking about you know people who see death and pretend like they're fine they're lying. Like nobody is fine. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is so a, nobody ever said that in my nursing program. And I wish that they did because I would have talked about it a lot sooner. Um, but B, Mm -hmm. um, like it was such a significant contributor to my burnout was not talking about Mm -hmm. the difficult things that I saw, because again, we normalize how difficult, or we just, we normalize the things that we see. And Mm -hmm. when I look back sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, like that, it, that is, absolutely traumatic. If anybody outside yeah. of our profession saw it, they would say, oh my God, how do you do that and keep moving forward? And I think that that's- Right. That's like, a, it's like a life altering yes. event for them if they were to see we, that. I you mean, know, like, like we they will remember die. that forever and ever. Yes. Yeah. 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 Lots of people die and, you know, yeah. in terrible ways and in ways that we feel responsible for. And I think mm-hmm. that the idea, which is very old nursing, that you just push past that and move on is so unhealthy and mm-hmm. I, I hate that. And that's why I was like, I, I was like listening in the bathroom to his teacher talking. And I was like, yes, sir, you tell it. Nobody's okay. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's so yeah. important. I didn't, they didn't tell me that. No. <laughs> um, but speaking on that, my first code as a nurse that was like, that I was involved in, I, at, the patient didn't make mm-hmm. it. Um, and it was like a very, very traumatic code, like a, a horrible first code experience. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so bad for baby nurse Bree that like this was the first oh. code I had to have yeah. because I've been in much better ones since. Yeah. But like, you know, that was just like 
I'm, I'm like, oh, poor, poor baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was, God. that was a lot for her, you know, like I wish it was a different, different experience, but you know what? It's what happened. But after like everyone just walked away mm-hmm. and was like totally fine. And I was just like standing there in shock and I cried mm-hmm. and I was like, why is no one affected by this? Like literally everyone just carried on with their day. Mm-hmm. And like, or they're making like, you know, dark humor jokes. Everyone does different things. But I was just like, this is the weirdest feeling ever. And I was like, why am I the only one upset? Should I not be upset? Like, is this wrong for me to be upset? Like, Mm -hmm. why, you know, and I just felt so weird and it made it worse, you know, like, because no one else was affected by it. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case though. Like they... They were affected by it, you mm-hmm. know, like it does affect everyone. And, you know, some people say that they get used to it. Um, but deep down, I believe that, like, you don't. No. I, I, I don't think you get used to it. I don't think it gets easier. I just think, like, you know, some people bury it down and face it later on, whether that's on their drive home or they go to the bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or deal with it a few days later, weeks later, months later, years later, whatever it may be. But, like... I hate when people say it gets easier or you get used to it yep. because in my experience, you don't. And if you do, like, I think that's when it's time to leave. Yes. Because it it's, it's a lot. Obviously, seeing it frequently is a lot. But if you lose that emotional connection, I think it's a, it's a problem because you need to be supportive for that family and – if you're not emotionally affected by it, obviously, you know, you have to be strong for the family, but I don't think crying in front of them is a bad thing necessarily. No. Like Mm-mm. I think it shows that you care. Yeah. And, but some people are, don't, don't agree with that. Um, which, you know, not everyone can cry in front of others. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everyone has their own, their own way. To, um, yeah. but I, I, I don't think it like shows weakness no. or anything. I think some people think that as well, but like, I think it shows that you care yes. and that you tried your best and that you empathize with the family. I was going to say, like, it means a lot to the family actually, when you are sad and you are upset, you know, right. obviously you can't, you have to remain, you know, professional, but like right, right, crying right. is okay, you know, and it actually, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many families that who have lost children in my presence that were grateful that, you know, we were just as sad as they were because, you know, Mm -hmm. often, you know, obviously in the ER, you know, people come in and you don't always get to know the families, you know, as this is happening. Um, But especially like in peds, I see you like these are kids that we all know for long periods of time who are chronically ill or have been on our unit for weeks. And, you know, and everybody knows this kid and their family. And so when, you know, when kids do pass, it is, it means so much to the parents that we're sad too, because, mm-hmm. you know, we know this entire, this like really fragile moment in their life that not many people outside of the hospital would understand. And so mm-hmm. there's so many families that are like, you know, I'm just so glad that, like you guys were here when that happened, which is such a, it's such a strange thing, you know, to hear that, but it means so much to them when we grieve with them. And so I, and I think that that's not a conversation or not something that like they really teach you in nursing school. Mm-mm. And I think that like you, you know, you said you felt bad for being upset and that's mm-hmm. terrible, you know, because you were really affected by that. And as you should be, like you said, I think if you stop feeling that way, then you need to get out because you're, you know, emotionally, if you stop feeling things, then you've lost that part of you that cares enough to feel, you know, and that's, that's mm-hmm. always a concern. I just think like I... 
I just felt weird being emotional in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how because everyone... nobody else was. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But also, you know what I didn't realize, and now looking back at it, everyone copes in their own ways. Yeah. And just because they didn't cry right then and there doesn't mean they didn't cry later on. Sort of, of thing. But I, I think though, like it's it's okay either way. You know, like yeah. cry. It's okay to cry. And I think we're yeah. always taught to like, oh, it's okay. Like just move on. You know, you got other things to do sort of thing. But I think taking that moment and obviously honoring the person um, and just like realizing everything you just went through, just debriefing like is so mm-hmm. important. And, you know, feeling the emotions, that's okay. You can, mm-hmm. you can be emotional. Like it's okay to cry. And I just yes. felt like in that moment, I didn't think it was okay. And I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Like why? Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's okay. And it's yeah. normal and it's a good mm-hmm. thing, you mm-hmm. know? I know. I think that it's one of the biggest moments in nursing when you really understand the gravity of what we do is that we often stand between life and death. And that is a responsibility that unless you experience it yourself, you won't ever understand because it's just so heavy and it's so Mm -hmm. scary every time. And that is the, I mean, there's such a large part of me that feels like therapy should be something that's like free to healthcare workers. We do Mm -hmm. have like very small like programs. Like I want to say we have like better help or something like that, like an app, but I just like, I'm such, I think that healthcare needs a whole like mental health, like facelift because Mm -hmm. we again, still, you know, tolerate these really abnormal things and we just normalize it. Like it's an average day at work. And then on top of that, those, you know, individual events compile over time and that right. that is what breaks you eventually as right. a person. And, you know, the unaliving yourself rates in nursing are astronomical right now, mm-hmm. especially post-COVID. And yeah. that is so sad. And it's something that we don't talk about at all. And mm-hmm. so I think that there's so much that needs to change. And it feels so big that I don't even know how I would be- begin to help fix it. But it's mm-hmm. so necessary. You know, there's so many times that I had terrible patient experiences. And I wish that I had had, you know, like, therapy to go show up, to go show up and talk to somebody who doesn't know me and who doesn't know my situation in a completely, you know, like it's nice to talk to somebody who's totally removed. That's one of the best parts Mm -hmm. of therapy is being able to talk to somebody that is removed from your immediate situation to give you perspective when you need it. And I think that that is something that we're just massively lacking in nursing because again, we've just normalized it so much Mm -hmm. that what we see and what we do becomes, oh, just, that's just part of your job. Right. And I just think another that that's day. not okay. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not okay. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I I think we can all benefit from therapy and it's it's okay to talk about your feelings. And I think mm-hmm. we like you said, we do normalize it. Like this is just what we go through. It's part of the job. It's normally, mm-hmm. you know, nothing new here, sort of thing. But yep. it does add up. And yes. at some point it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. And I think we have the toxic mentality of like, oh, it's okay. You know, we don't need to go to therapy. Why would we need to yeah. go to therapy? Like I'm strong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we we help others, but you know, and it also goes back to the we don't care for ourselves sort of thing. Like we don't, yep. <laughs> we put ourselves last. Yep. We help others, you know, we come last and yep. it's, it's toxic and healthcare workers need to change it. Like mm-hmm. we as a community need to be like, okay, you, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of each other. It, it's important because yep. it's scary. The yep. rates are terrifying and it scary. makes me so sad. 
you know. I know me too. It's um it's something, you know, I seven years in, I think that part of the part of me as a nurse that I think has, you know, like grown over time is knowing that I like my job. I love my job actually. When I'm in my patient's room and I'm in my element doing my thing, talking to the tiny humans, blowing bubbles and doing what we do. In those moments, I think, how lucky am I? This is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to me. But I think understanding that at the same time, I can and I do hate the system that it lives in because that is separating the two of those really allowed me to still continue loving my job even when I hated it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really difficult for me to get through, but it w- it was so important because now I recognize that as much as I hate the system that my job lives in, I love the kids and I love when they get to go home and I love like there's so many things about it that I really love. I just couldn't separate the two for so long that it made me hate what I did. And that yeah. was it was heartbreaking. I mean, it felt like like, you know, leave when my first like real experience with burnout after three years was I just became somebody that I didn't like very much outside of work. Like I was mean to my husband and that's like not my personality at all. Um, I didn't want to see my friends. I didn't, you know, like there was so many parts of me that were changing and I didn't realize it. And mm-hmm. I think that's because I, I was, my, my heart was breaking because I felt like, you know, I, I, this was all I ever wanted to do. Like since I was eight, year, eight years old, like all I ever wanted mm-hmm. to do was be a nurse. And, and I fell in love with it so hard and especially the kid part of it. And then, you know, feeling like I didn't like my job anymore was absolutely heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. I think being able to separate that I do love my job, but I hate what it lives in really allowed me to re-fall in love with it again, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And I think that's an important perspective that everyone can use because, I mean, there's many parts that I love about my job and there's many parts that, you know, I hate and wish I could fix and change mm-hmm. about my job, but at the end of the day, you know, I always circle back to like, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, like, why did I choose to become a nurse? Yep. You know, you're going to have the hard days. You're going to have the horrible days. Yep. But you're also going to have good days. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, you have to make sure that you are having the healthy balance. And yeah. if, you know, there are more bad days than good, then maybe it's time for a change. Yep. And that's okay too. Yes. You know, like that is okay. Yep. It, it doesn't mean defeat or giving up. You know, I think that there was such a part of myself that didn't, that felt like I was giving up by leaving because I was choosing myself and that's not a normalized practice in nursing. And so mm-hmm. I felt like I was weak for choosing myself, but I actually realized later that I was strong for choosing myself. And if I didn't do that, Definitely. I was going to completely fall out of love with nursing and right. it, it saved, it saved me to leave. And I just wish that I could go back and like hug baby Nicole. I mean, at three years in, I was still a baby. You're, I'm still, I still feel like a baby seven years in, but I like want to go back and like hug myself and be like, it's okay. Like, you know, like it's not, you're not giving up. This doesn't mean you couldn't handle it. It doesn't mean that you couldn't, you know, that you were just not good enough. Like those were all the messages I kept like ruminating in my head of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do this. Like other people are getting through this and I'm just not. And you know, it wasn't like, I wasn't the problem. And I think that I couldn't forgive myself through it. I just wish that I could have. I want to go like hug myself and be like, it's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
That I hate that feeling though when you it's the mental battle with yourself. Like mm-hmm. you're not you're not giving up. You're no. you're putting yourself first. Yes. And that is important. Yeah. And it's hard, but it's so hard to do that. So yep. props to you for doing that. Thank you. I mean, I'm really so glad that I did too because like my life is better. You know, like I fell yeah. back in love with my job and that was it like was so like exciting to see that happen, you know. And I'm sure for you mm-hmm. too, like I mean, you know, I've had health effects of from the stresses of nursing, but, and you were sick so much and I, and I like only know you through TikTok and I knew how sick you were. Uh, yeah. and it was just like constant for you. And when you switched, I was like, Oh, like good for you for, you know, switching, even though I'm sure that was a difficult decision to make even like, not even that you were, you weren't leaving or anything, but you were switching shifts and new people. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, I was so glad that you did that. Cause I, it, it's helped you. Right. Yeah. That was a really tough decision for me. Um, especially because like, my best friends were mm-hmm. all on nights. Like five of my closest friends that we hang out weekly, like they're all on night shift. And we had such a good group. Like it was so great. I loved everyone. It was so supportive. And like we just had the best shifts ever. But I couldn't do it. I was literally sick more than I wasn't. And yeah. It just like I didn't even the problem with that was like, you know what, I can handle being sick, whatever. But like on my days off, I just laid in bed because I was so sick and Mm -hmm. I did nothing. I didn't see my family. I didn't see my friends. Like I was just in a bad mental state too, just because like, because of how sick I was, I couldn't do anything. And then it was just Mm -hmm. like a horrible work-life balance. And I didn't even realize how bad it was in the moment until Mm -hmm. I switched today's shift. And, you know, now reflecting back on it, like it was, it was tough, especially, you know, with all the new grad struggles you go through and like, learning and all that. And obviously Brandon is still on night shift. So, you know, being on different shifts, but that was a difficult decision, you know, because like we would, we were night shift buddies, you know, like it was nice. It was nice having someone to like go through it with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I, it was the decision that I had to make for myself. And I was really nervous because I was like, who am I going to be friends with? You know, (laughs) like, am I, I'm not going to have anyone to talk to. All my friends are gone. And and then, you know, like people, People made me feel bad because they're like, oh, you're leaving to go to day shift. And then I just felt guiltier because I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, is this the right choice? But it ultimately was because mm-hmm. I'm way healthier now. You know, yep. I, I still get sick more than I should, but yeah, <laughs> we're, fig- we're figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> but not nearly as much as I was on yeah. nights. And my work-life balance and mental health is so much better. And yeah, it, it was a tough decision, but like- yep. You, you got to put yourself first, you know? Yep, absolutely. It's the hardest thing to learn how to do as a nurse, but it's possibly the most important, you know? Yeah, I for know. sure. That's why when you switched, I was like, good for you. I know that that was not easy. <laughs> There's no way that that was easy, but uh, no. so necessary. I don't think your little ticker was going to take it anymore. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> not good. No, no. So I'm so I'm proud of you because that's really hard to do, especially as, you know, like a year and a half in. That's a really difficult decision to make. Any kind of change on top of what you've like, you know, you're kind of like you a year and a half. You're like, OK, I know the people, I know the things, I know, you know, and like, but I think like adding change on top of that is so scary and it's so hard to do as, yeah. a, as a new nurse. So when you did it, I was like, you go Brie, you choose you, boo. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard for sure, but no regrets. It all, all yep. worked out much better now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Minus, minus my jazz hands. I wish that I could have changed that, but what it could have, should have. <laughs> yeah. So you do have tremors when, 
how does that affect you as a nurse? Um, I think like tremendously, of course, um, our hands mm-hmm. are a job, which is right. Uh, this is the, one of the most unfortunate things to happen to you as a nurse is to have problems with your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, I could like get on my soapbox all day long about nurse burnout and like listening to your body and leaving when you need to leave, because I wish that I would have left sooner. I don't know if it would have changed anything for me, but, um, literally the next month after I started working at my new job, um, I literally within the span of three days had, you know, I had head tremors at first. I have very mild cervical tremors, which I didn't understand what that would feel. It kind of felt like I had vertigo, but it felt like my head was vibrating. And mm-hmm. I kept saying that in my, like for, you know, two days I kept telling Kyle, like, you know, I just like don't feel good. Like, I feel like my head is vibrating and such a bizarre feeling. And then, um, two days later, the hand tremor started and, you know, long story short, uh, I went to many different neurologists and they were like, yeah, like this is dystonic tremors. Like this is, and, and I, I was so scared because, you know, being in medicine, ignorance is bliss. I think sometimes when you are the sick one, because, mm-hmm. you know, I know so many things I don't want to know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought I had MS and I thought I had a brain tumor and I had all these MRIs and it was so scary. And, you know, when all of that came up normal, it was great. Minus the fact that I still had these tremors and, um, my, I had to go to three different neurologists to finally find somebody, um, like a very specialized movement disorder clinic, uh, to, you know, understand what was wrong with me. And, uh, they always say, you know, like Nicole, you're such an unusual case because we don't normally see 30 year olds in here with tremors. And I was 26 when it started actually. So I was like even younger. And, um, I just remember them saying like, this is super unusual. However, it is, we, we very much believe that this was caused by stress. And I, I had, I had actually, I'd lost my period at, um, my, at my first job because I was so stressed out. That's why I always say like, I wish that I had left at year three instead of saying, staying that extra six months to try to see if I could fix, like if I could stay. And I, in that six months, I lost my period because I was so stressed out. And then, um, you know, on top of that, they, they believe that just, I I did adrenal gland testing when I was in, uh, my first job and my adrenal glands, but like my cortisol production, which should kind of go in peaks and valleys, um, as you wake up and as you experience things throughout the day. And mine was at a complete flat line because I, my adrenal glands just weren't, I wasn't even producing cortisol anymore because my body was so completely fatigued. And, uh, so they believe that, that, that the stress was what caused the minute neurological damage that I have that has created, you know, it has, the effects of it have really like ricocheted all over my personal life. And of course, very much all over my nursing life. Um, you know, starting to take medication. I was so grateful that I could find a medication that works because not many people get to have that always. And I was like, so glad, but at the same time, um, I was, it makes you exhausted. And you're already tired mm-hmm. as a nurse. So taking medication that made me more tired than I already was, was terrible. Right. So I was having a really hard time like being like mentally present at work because the meds just leave you feeling really like foggy because it's supposed to slow down my brain, which is great for my my tremors, but bad for my, uh, my you know, cognitive abilities, especially in the ICU, I need to be fast. And I didn't feel fast. Right. And that was so scary for me because I thought, especially as an ICU nurse, and especially with kids, I like thought I need to be fast and I'm not fast right now. And that scared the heck out of me. And so as grateful as I was to have this like medication solution that made my tremors less, I was so like stressed out by the fact that I felt slow. I didn't feel like me. And that got better over time as I adjusted to the medication. But I mean, you can like all the time, like I still have 
you know, anytime my, my tremors are directly related to muscle activity, which is even worse actually, because, um, they're not your typical essential tremors that people have where, you know, they just shake against gravity. Mine is dystonic in nature, meaning it's rooted in muscle activity. So, uh, whenever I move, I shake, which is the worst mm-hmm. for a nurse. Um, right. (laughs) When you're literally always, literally always. (laughs) And my hands are so important. And like in pediatrics, everything is small. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to like work through these tremors, uh, was, it, it has been, and still is something that I struggle with every day. Um, I wound up doing 18 weeks of occupational therapy, And God bless my sweet little occupational therapist. Um, She found so many like cool ways for me to practice what I do at work and make it stronger, like outside of work. She was so cute. I mean, like I would always bring things to her and be like, okay, like I'm really struggling struggling with this right now. Like, and she would come up with all of these like really cool activities that I could do to strengthen my hands um, because strengthening the muscles has allowed me to resist against the tremor more, which is great. I do a lot of Mm -hmm. like, I have to like anchor my wrist down when I do a lot of things, which is difficult. Um, If there's a code, I'm always like one of the people that's the most uh, comfortable drawing up medications, which is not everybody's favorite job, but I'm like always happy to do that because I did that a lot in um, cardiac ICU. So, but like you're nervous. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous in a code. (laughs) And so, and Mm -hmm. emotions make the tremors worse, which is that, that added component really super sucks in our line of work because you're always stressed out at some level. And on top of that, throwing in like when kids are coding, like I need to be fast, but that's when my hands are the most jazzy. And so it's really frustrating for me, but I get like, like bring a table over and I like use one of the bedside tables and I make myself a little station so that I can anchor my wrist to the bedside table to, to try to make it so I can, you know, do the things I need to do. I was never good at IVs. So, uh, the great part is that I, um, (laughs) I, I didn't get worse at doing IVs because I was never good at them. (laughs) So (laughs) people ask me that all the time though. They're like, Oh my God, how do you put in IVs? And I go, I don't, I I have to recruit a friend. I phone a friend almost every time, which I hate asking for help as a nurse. It's like one of the things I'm the most like you know, because again, we're helpers, not helpies. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I hate asking people for help to come put in IVs for me, but I just don't have the capacity to do that right now. And I'm trying to be okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. The tremors will, I well, think. Especially though on kids. Yeah. It's, kid, putting an IV on kids is hard in general, hard. let alone adding adding in your jazz hands. I like I can't even imagine that has to make it 10 times harder. Yes. It's super, it's super hard to to do most things, but I get by minus the whole IV thing. I'm like, you know, at this point I just have to like rely on my team and I have like the most wonderful team. Mm-hmm. Like they're so sweet about it and we all have different talents. Yeah. I love the team, team effort, team support. That helps, helps you get through it. What are your ratios? Are they staying safe throughout this or? Um, so, well, I'm really blessed to work in California. So, mm-hmm. um, California, no matter. So actually the hospital that I work in is not unioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that part was really difficult, uh, cause my first job was unioned. So, um, they could easily like the, if I didn't live in California, they could easily throw us out of ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have not because, you know, the California law says that I can't have more than two kids mm-hmm. at a time in the ICU. Um, there are certain things that we, consider like hard, fast one-to-ones. Um, like, especially if it's like a newer kiddo that's, that was just recently intubated. We really try actually not to pair kiddos that are on ventilators because 
you're just going to be running back to the room constantly mm-hmm. because they are always alarming. And, you know, so because kids move, um, even the sedated ones on the ventilators. Um, so we really safety wise try to keep those kids one to ones. Um, but of course, like we're, you know, we're pairing so many things right now that I think we would try not to in the past, but we're just desperate times, desperate measures. Mm-hmm. So, but I've never had more than two kids. Okay. So that's it's great news. Yeah. I love California. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad that, you know, you are protected <laughs> under laws right. to, you it's know, a, keep yourself. It's so nice. Yeah. Because, I mean. Because you don't have that, huh? No, but oh. <laughs> I don't I don't oh. work at a union hospital, though, so. Oh, either? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> Is it, what are your ratios? What I mean, we're, we're not, we're not horrible. They, they try pretty hard to keep us, um, we're supposed to be four to one. Like that's just what, what oh, they okay. say. Um, yeah. But some days you're not, you have to take extras cause there's so many hall patients and chair patients and people in the waiting room, oh. especially like if you're the triage nurse, then you're responsible for all the people in the waiting room. And then a lot of the times like you'll take chairs that are super easy in and out, but then yeah. you just get backed up and you know, it's just a lot, a lot of people, but <laughs> That is a yeah. lot. But I mean, like in the rest, the rest, like the floors, they um, like Brandon's ICU, they were talking about doubling uh, their rooms again. So then they'll, they are sometimes three to one, um, which oh they're God. not supposed to be, obviously. Um, yeah. And like the floors, they've been like seven. And that's a lot. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think it makes it difficult too to provide the care that you want to, yeah. you know? Because my ratios are such a beautiful thing because they should be there because, you know, like my my greatest fear and every nurse's greatest fear is making a mistake right. that hurts somebody mm-hmm. and it's we're human. So that's always a possibility. But I think it's way easier to do that if you're stretched out really thin. Well, yeah. And it's just it's unsafe and that's your mm-hmm. license and that's someone's life at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's scary. But, yeah. And that's somebody's family member, right. you know, like, I mean, right. for me, I'm like, this is somebody's child, yeah. you know, like they're trusting their whole child with me yeah. and, and I better do a good job, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's the scary part of like being as spread as thin as, as, as that, you know, especially in an ICU, like, uh, I can't even, I can't even fathom having three ICU level patients at one time. Yeah. Cause I've, I've never done it. Uh, cause I, again, I live in California. Yeah. Um, so I, it, hurts my heart. One of my like best friends is uh, an adult ICU nurse as well. Mm-hmm. And um, she was working out in Utah and she was in a COVID ICU. And sometimes they were quadrupled mm-hmm. with four patients that were like, and I, and I always told sick, her, you know, are, like, are all those patients. patients. Into- yes. Oh. Sick patients. Yeah. They were walking COVID patients on her unit. Like they were awake and on ventilators, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. Yeah. But, and she had like four of those. And I thought like, how is that possible to do that? And not fear making a mistake every five seconds. <laughs> that's, that's so scary. It's so unsafe. Yeah. Oh, so unsafe. Gosh. And like, you know, we have like licenses we have to protect, which is yeah. so difficult because you only get one and you only get one shot at it, you yeah. know? And so you just, you never want to do something wrong. That's why like, I'm such a, like even seven years in, like I still have people double, triple check things for me mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, like then we all go home knowing that everybody did everything as safely as humanly possible. And I think when I was like a baby nurse, I would be kind of like embarrassed to ask for that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, will you come if it's not like a, a necessary cosign, you know, mm-hmm. where like you have to get one, I would be afraid to have other people come in and check things with me. And I found that the more that I asked to do that in moments when I felt unsure of myself, not only did it 
tell me either I was on the right track or I wasn't. So I learned from that moment, but it, I would leave me going home at the end of the day, knowing that I did everything that I could do and as safe as I could do that. And I think that it's something never to be embarrassed about. I wish that I had never had that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's, it has, it's like, you know, been so nice to be able to go home and you're like, okay, I did all the, I did, I did everything to the very best of my ability. And in that one moment, I was unsure of myself. Somebody else looked at it and they thought it was good too. So I, very important. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> such an important skill to have and never lose. Even if, you know, yep. with, with your seven years, you're obviously very knowledgeable, but I mean, like there's still healthcare is ever changing every single day. There's still things new that you've never seen. And like, it never mm-hmm. hurts to double check. What is that going to do? Never. It's not, never. not going to hurt anyone. It could catch a potential mistake or it can just, you know, verify and you move on, takes three seconds, whatever. But I think it goes back to like trusting your gut, you know, always Mm -hmm. trust your gut. And even if nothing is wrong, it never, never, Mm -hmm. never hurts to double check. And I think that's such an important skill to learn and to have. I mean, even Mm -hmm. like as a new nurse, brand spanking new one week off orientation, there was an instance when I was like, you know what? I know I know nothing, but like this just Mm -hmm. feels weird. So I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask a question because I mean like, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to double check. And then it ended up, you know, something was wrong in that situation. And like I I didn't really even know right from wrong in that situation anyway. But like, you know, you get that twinge in your stomach and like you got you got to trust that that is your gut instinct and it. It's, it's super important to listen to it. Yeah. Oh the nurse gut's almost never wrong. I always say yeah. too, like, you know, you'll, you'll always be glad that you asked, but you'll be sorry if you don't. And that makes such a difference when in your mental health, like going home from work at the end of the day, knowing like you did everything. Right. And that's, you know, so I still like double, quadruple, tri- triple check everything. Yeah. Even seven years in, because it's actually even more so now than I used to, because there's so many things that are second nature to me now that mm-hmm. didn't used to be. And so I always like find myself, okay, like refocus, you know, like, especially when I'm giving meds and I like, I still go through the five rights. Like I still do. Those are the pieces of nursing school that I'm like, yeah, I still do. I do that every single day because it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll, I always say, you know, whenever, um, I talk to like, you know, like little, like baby nurses, like student nurses, I'm like, listen, it's not always your job to know what's wrong but knowing that something is wrong mm-hmm. is just as important. Like you don't have to know what it is, but know it like fe- you're that gut feeling like you had, like you didn't know exactly what was wrong, but you knew that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And that is like all, that's like the foundation of, of nursing. So yeah. I still find that true for me today. Well, and they say too, that like, as you get more experience, you obviously get more comfortable and then you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're prone to making mistakes because you just, you go through the motions and you're not as careful and cautious. And yep. so I think it is really important, even if, you know, you have 25 years of experience to make sure you're yep. still going back to your basics and trusting your gut. And, you know, like you said, doing your five medication, right. Checks. Yep. It's, it's so important because yeah, yep. you've been doing this forever and you could probably do it with your eyes closed, but you know, it, it is, it's someone's life, you know, you, mm-hmm. and you got to be careful. Yeah. Complacency could be really dangerous in nursing. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, cockiness and complacency are like two of the things that yeah. are the most scary, you know, in nursing. Um, and so it's like whenever I don't always get to have students, but I love students. I love them so much. Um, and so, cause they're just so excited to be there, mm-hmm. but, um, I got to have a student last fall and I always told her, I'm like, listen, as long as you're 
if you never, ever become too confident, Mm -hmm. but also never become too complacent Mm -hmm. because both are bad Mm -hmm. and live somewhere in the middle of that. You'll be fine forever. You know? Yeah. But that's what I, I say. And I would say to myself too, I would just say like, fake it till you make it. Cause I mm-hmm. wasn't confident, but also, yep. you know, don't be cocky and always yeah. be willing to learn because once yep. you stop being willing to learn and if you're not teachable, it's, mm-hmm. it's not fun for anyone and it's not safe because yep. you are going to learn something all the time. Yep. And it's better always to say that you don't know how to do something. Mm-hmm. Like I've always said this, but people who, you know, if you're, if you're doing something and, or really like when somebody asks you to do something, if you don't know how to do it, don't say that you do Mm -hmm. because a, it robs you of a learning opportunity and b saying that you know how to do something or that you feel confident doing something when you don't is super dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I think, but some people are so afraid, you know, especially like when you're a baby, like you're so afraid to say that you don't know how to do something or that you don't understand something. And so you don't want to say that, you know, right. you don't want to be like the, you know, you don't want to feel not smart. And, right. but it's That's, like so much worse if you don't. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's not, you're, you're smart for asking, you know, you're yeah. smart for wanting yes. to learn. Yes. And for being safe and like taking care of like your patients, you know, I mean, that's, that's so much more important. I always tell Kyle that, you know, I'm like, you know, as long as you're out there and you're, uh, cause you know, he's in med surge right now and, mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult because, uh, the nurses don't always want you there. And that's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told him, you know, I said, listen, like, cause he's, he's had a hard time, like being able to be a part of things because it's just, you know, that it, it's harder and it takes more energy as a nurse to like take a student with you and do something new with them. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's so important because a, we're building our, our next workforce, but right. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's difficult. It makes it hard for the student to ask for opportunities because you feel so shut out. And so I told him like, you know what, just go up to the nurse. And if they ask you to do something, if you say, what can I do for you to help you? Mm -hmm. And they say, blah, blah, blah. And whatever it is. And if you don't know how to do that, just say, you know what, I don't know how to do that. But if you teach me how to do it, I'll be able to do it for you next time. Mm -hmm. And that's such an important thing, you know, because it's, it's the way that you, that you word it. Being excited about having learning opportunities is so incredibly important. Yeah. For sure. And I think also as um, nurses who get nursing students, it's important to remember like you were a nursing student once too. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes we can be super busy and just stressed out. And, you know, it takes more time, obviously, when you have a student with you to like walk through things. You're not going to go as fast as you would normally do it if you're teaching them. But it's Mm -hmm. important to remember like you were in their shoes once. You want to teach them. You don't want to make them feel stupid. You don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, belittle them at all. Like, and I hate when people say like, oh, that's a stupid question. Like there are no stupid questions. Like Never. we were all in their shoes at one point. And I think it's yep. so important to always like check with yourself and be like, okay, that was me once. Like mm-hmm. be understanding, be supportive, be who you would have wanted, you know, to be yep. with when you were a nursing student. So it's so important. And like, there's just like to remember too, that when you're a student, you're just, you're like excited to take a blood pressure. You don't care Mm -hmm. what it is. You're just like, I'm helping, you know, and look, I'm doing it. And that means so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a student last fall actually, or is that two years ago now? The world, the years just blur. Um, (laughs) but she, she actually, um, was one of my followers. (laughs) I didn't Uh know that until the first day we met. And then, uh, and so she was like, Oh my God, I like, what, like, I can't believe it's you. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and, and I just told her, I'm like, listen, you know what? I might be the easiest, the easiest person to ever be your preceptor, 
because I will, I will let you do all of the things that you're excited to do. And then all the things that scare you, I'm going to be right there with you because I remember what it's like to be that student. Cause it's just so, it's so scary and you feel so out of place. You feel like you're Mm -hmm. in the way and you're not helpful. And, Mm -hmm. and so having somebody like, like take you under their wing is like, as a baby nurse, you just look at them and you're like, wow. You know, yeah. like, you're the coolest. And then having that experience, I know that because I did that with her, she'll do it for somebody else. And right. that like that really changes the community. It changes mm-hmm. the, the the face of like what we do. You know, the 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 whole nurses eat their young thing is trash. Like yeah. that's not it doesn't create a workforce that is inviting to new nurses. And we need nurses so bad right now, especially mm-hmm. ones that want to work inpatient because there's so many nurses who have left bedside because of COVID. And mm-hmm. we need we need as many wonderful nurses as we can get. And that's how we make them is by creating them ourselves, you know, by being, you know, compassionate and being open and being available, you know, for them. Like, that's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to got to change the culture. You know, got to do it. I know it's got to happen. It is. It's happening, though. I think. Yeah. No, I think so, too. Um, Which is good. Yeah. It's important. It feels different. Like my first year uh, this year, like now that I'm, you know, in so far, like it feels so different in a really Mm -hmm. good way. I yeah. think that there's so much that's changing that's been so beneficial and and I hope that it it keeps going that way. And I yeah. think it will. If if right. we if we do the, if we if we keep it going, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> got to keep it going. It's up to us. <laughs> yeah. No right. Right. <laughs> no pressure at all. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> we'll just add that to your list of to-dos, you know. Right. <laughs> You're not busy. You're not busy at all. Not at all. No. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, we have been talking for so long. I didn't even know it's been this long. I could literally wow. talk to you forever. I know. <laughs> I hope today like, we can like see each other in real life. That would be I so know. Boring. I got to come to California. Or yes. I mean, you can come to Michigan. I don't know if you want to come to Michigan. but I mean... <laughs> It's it sounds maybe cool. maybe in the summer <laughs> not not right now it's not the best time to come right now it's freezing. Well, no, I do, I, you've never seen a California more excited than when we see snow. We like, oh, well, then maybe you it. should come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come come see the snow. It snowed yesterday, um, but it's all melted now. But oh. it's I mean it snows here constantly. So that's so fun. The California <laughs> yeah. to me, I I obviously don't understand the vast complexities of like trying to do life in snow. Mm-hmm. But like my vision of it is just like sitting with your hot cocoa by the window, watching the snow come down. And I know that that's unrealistic, but yeah. I can deal with that. That's like the first snow and then it just like doesn't stop for four months and you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to see the sun. Yep. I can't do it anymore. If you don't have to leave the house, it's cool, right? Like yeah. If you don't have to leave the house, you're If you don't have to leave the house, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. But driving in the snow, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Hate it. <laughs> Especially when it's like a foot of snow. Oh my God. I know. It's Those not are the fun. parts that I just, I don't even know what I would do. I would yeah. crumble as a Californian. <laughs> yeah. It's... I, not a fan. Not a fan. It sprinkled the <laughs> other day here. Like it sprinkled. It misted essentially, and you nobody knew what to do. Oh, there was like so <laughs> many accidents on the freeway. Like, I what? bet. Like, you know. No, that's like I went and visited my brother um, who lives in Texas like, yeah. a year a year ago, and it snowed in February there, and like you know, snow is just like unheard of there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he says that I brought the snow with him because it was when I was visiting, of course. Like I was, I yeah. went down like looking forward to like seventy degree weather, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it it snowed, and there were so many accidents, and it was like not even an inch, but like people just you you don't yeah. know how to drive in it because you've never or you're no. you know not used to it. And it's, yeah, it's a learning curve. I would never survive. I wasn't built for that. I don't think I'm built for it either. Yeah, and I was like born and raised in California too, so I like don't know any different. And yeah, 
it's too late for me now. I could never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a change. For yeah, sure. totally. <laughs> All right. Um, where can people find you? Um, I'm on TikTok naturally at Nicole Ann six would love to remove the six, but Nicole Ann is taken. So ah, I know. No. Come I know. on. I know. I'm like, can we negotiate? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I, which is also, um, at, uh, Nicole Ann actually, there's no six over there. Um, oh. And it has a bunch of old videos, uh, but I've considered reviving my YouTube channel. I was going to say, so. I didn't know that you posted on YouTube. I did. Out. Well, it's like, it was before COVID and mm. I have like a bunch of work vlogs on there. Like when I look back at them now, I like, it feels like such a lifetime ago, but I really enjoyed doing it. And that's actually what led me to TikTok was um, mm. having a YouTube channel. So when I filmed, I did Vlogmas uh, in 2019 uh, I do. I normally do Vlogmas on here as well uh, on on the good old TikToks. Um, but I'm I'm reconsidering. The downside is the technology, of course. But um, so, but I for now, there's lots of old videos on there you can watch me on. But for the most part, I am on the good old TikTok. Yes. So go follow her. If you don't, which if you don't, what are you doing? Oh my god. Well, you have (laughs) to to follow you too. They have to follow you too because we're we're you know a pair. Package deal. Yeah, for sure. Package deal for sure. Yeah. It's, it's a Dolan package. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a Dolan package. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't know, um, we love Dolan scrubs. Mm-hmm. Um that's really like we're, we bonded over that. Well, you you got me started on that. Really. Yeah. Um I had never heard of them because they were such a small business. Mm-hmm. And and then you sent them my way and mm-hmm. I fell in love with them. And now it's literally the only scrubs that I wear. And I think you too, right? Yes. Exclusive. Yep. We're exclusive. exclusive. Dolan girls. Yes, yeah. Dolan girls. I know. And I feel like you're <laughs> such an active ambassador and I am too. So I like love yeah. that. I That's why we have to like meet each other in real life someday because yes. I feel like we have so much to talk about. But uh, it's so fun that that has like brought us together even more than yeah. just like coexisting in the same nursing space on TikTok. Right. So yeah. it's been, we, we're learning together. <laughs> yes, for sure. Going through it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you. Um, I had so much fun too. And like I said, if you don't follow Nicole, make sure you go check her out. Thank and you. I hope everyone has a good day.